0: Welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time now for our weekly review show. So, we're going to be looking at comic releases from the 24th of March. Uh, we were determined to continue this on a weekly uh, schedule. I've done my best to ruin that this week. I wasn't feeling too good for a couple of days. And also, the delivery was split and late and all kinds of stress. But we're back, we're keeping it weekly. And we're going to be going through those uh, releases, as I say. So your host, as always, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. I'm delighted to be joined by my cohorts, as always. So afternoon, Mr. Miller. How are you, sir?
1: I am doing well. We day at work finished. It's a short week because we've got Good Friday and Friday, a short week next week because we've got Easter Monday and Monday. So I'm on a long weekend in between. So I'm I'm
0: happy as Larry. I can't can't complain. I tell you, workers and your bank holidays off. I tell you, Our small business owners don't get that. Uh, let me guess, Paddy, you're off as well, are you?
2: I am. I'm lucky enough to have Monday and Tuesday off. I have ordered myself a new drone. The drone I got turns out it was it was absolutely horrendous. So a guy I work with has one that was a, a wee bit more expensive. So I sent my one back and ordered the new one. So that arrives tomorrow, and I plan to be playing with it all weekend. And I have to say as well, how good is it having sunshine when you're leaving work? Having oh. daylight, I think it just picks up your whole mood, leaving with a smile in your face.
1: Yeah, but- yeah I mean, for, for for international listeners, what you're referring to is is the uh, the change in, in, in British summertime, as it were.
0: So, uh, so we, we're a wee bit, uh, well, not,
1: not any darker in the morning, but we've got a wee
0: bit more light in the evening, which makes a big difference in Northern Ireland. No, it really does. I mean you're looking out the window now, we're recording this, it's ten to seven in the evening, it's bright well not bright sunshine, that's like you carried away. But there's definitely <laughs> sunlight out there anyway. Yeah, so that's the thing.
2: We took a drive yesterday after work down in Newcastle, had a walk along the beach, now it was cold. But it was just nice to be able to do it. You know, it just got you in the mood for summer and Yeah, I think it, it, it does great for your, your mental health, I think.
1: Yeah, I think we can uh, we can pat ourselves in the back and congratulate ourselves on making it through the the long, cold, dark uh, winter time of COVID—we're uh, we're really getting out the other side of that now. I think, I hope.
0: But yeah, no, we're as I say, we're going to be uh, going through sort of our favorite titles of the twenty fourth of March, so released last week. But before we do that, we're always going to go through sort of the last week, anything that's caught our eye, anything that we've been sort of up to, reading, enjoying that kind of thing. I suppose I should probably start just because I have done some massive reading in the last week. Uh, Keith has been banging on at me for a long, long time to read a long-running classic that came to a conclusion there a couple of years ago, and given that the animated show just dropped there last week, it seemed like, in anticipation of that, Keith always said, read the first 12 issues, there's a big, massive story beat change, don't have it ruined by watching the show, get reading that first. So uh, I am, of course, talking about Invincible, uh, written by Robert Kirkman, Uh, art in the beginning by Corey Walker, a co-creator of it as well, but then down the line Ran otley takes over the artwork keith dropped a compendium two to me last wednesday yeah he needed to drop compendium three to me yesterday so uh, i <laughs> burned through that like you wouldn't believe we said on sunday and i read from issue 61 straight through to 96 just one sitting, just couldn't put it down it does mean i can't watch the show quite yet because i'm so fresh with everything that's happening i just feel like it'll be a retread to jump into the show but I don't know, am I, am I out on that, Keith? Or obviously, you've watched the first couple. You've read it as well, haven't you, Paddy?
2: Yeah, I read it quite recently. I was similar to yourself in, in that I read it in no time. I think it was a week and a half, two weeks. I had the entire thing read. And it didn't feel like a retread watching it. I really enjoyed it. I'll, I'll admit I expected it to be rubbish. I don't know why. I just didn't think it would work in that format. But yeah, it really, really impressed me, I think. Definitely as soon as you get it done, Alan... Jump
1: on the episode one. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I agree. I uh, I mean, it's been it's been a wee while since I read the start of Invincible, because um, I sort of read it, I guess, whenever it well not not whenever it was first out, but but shortly thereafter, and then I, I sort of caught up with it, um, and then probably in the late eighty, late eighties, early nineties of the of the the numbering. Uh, but yeah, the show. I mean, the show. I'm I'm really glad you're enjoying it for a start, Alan, and uh, you really. <laughs> It was it was uh, some job running three and a half miles across Belfast to uh, to to get you the, the second the third volume. And see pick up the, the lengths, volume yesterday. you
0: see the lengths we will all go to for each other just <laughs> oh, to absolutely. get the comics out there.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, the show is great. The the voice cast is amazing. The animation is fantastic. It it earns it. It's eighteen rating at the end of the first episode, no doubt about it. Um, and I'm really they're they're sticking not not exactly to the to the original story but certainly to the beats of the original story and they, they've reorganized it in a way that's suitable for television uh yeah great job i think they've done a fantastic job so if you're not watching invincible they've they've released the first three episodes on amazon prime uh and uh with now with 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 one episode a week i guess
2: on fridays isn't it yeah yeah that was my thing you know i was watching the first episode going why is this an 18 you know i don't i don't get this i don't get this and as you said keith the, the brutality that ensues you're kind of going ah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right
1: so yeah and they've, they've already announced the season two there so uh so we're, we're in good
0: shape there but yeah continue to enjoy alan oh very much so i uh, i've just started the third compendium so no doubt you'll hear by the next podcast that i've completely finished it you know I've, i have a small pull list this week you know, like 22 titles or something so mm-hmm. you know uh, but yeah, no, oh. thoroughly, thoroughly loving it. It's it's just a great page-turner. It's, it's a cracking sort of... It's almost a deconstruction of the superhero comic. You know, I, I love that it goes in directions of, like, with Mark talking about, like, how could I use this power in different ways instead of just beating people up? Like, you know, I love the whole thing Adam Eve does when she first goes to South Africa, and she's using her powers to create housing and, you know, all these different things. And it's just a really, really class examination of a world with superheroes but holy moly does earth get attacked a lot in it i didn't realize we were all so special down here but uh <laughs> clearly robert kirkman thinks so but uh yeah loving it so far i mean i'm not the only one compendium reading am i keith no
1: definitely not between between pool lists you know having finished last week's pool and and this week's pool just been slightly slightly late my my background reading is uh is kyla higgins uh, new 52 nightwing we're on which i've never I mean, I've read issues of, but I never really so so reading it together in the the Nightwing, Prince of Gotham compendium, which is all thirty-something issues, is phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, the the art is is great. the the story is great. Early issues it it dovetails in with uh, Court of Owls. In fact, the 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 scene from Court of Owls, where where Batman sort of punches uh, Dick Grayson in the mouth, and uh, knocks out the tooth that contains what we later know. The most the accurate metal.
0: punch of all time. By the
1: oh way. yeah, knocks out one tooth. Fantastic, and you know, obviously Dick let him because if he didn't want to, he wouldn't have hit him. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. It's just uh, so I'll be beavering away at that as soon as we as soon as we finish recording. Uh, great, just it gets it gets back into Dick Grayson's you know background with the the, the Halle Circus and. And the, the long history of that, and the, the history of that next to the Court of Owls, and how Halley's Circus has been delivering the best child acrobat to the Court of Owls to become a talent. And that's uh, just it's great stuff. And then, even, even you know, how that ties in with with, with Dixon history and the, the people he grew up with in the circus. And yeah, it's, it's really good stuff, really strong stuff, really strong
0: run. And, and uh, what about yourself, Patty? I understand you're reading through uh, a. A classic, I have to say at this point, you know, welcome to the club at long last.
2: Well, Alan, if my comments on the job got you annoyed, what's about to follow is going to have you furious. I did not enjoy Tom King's run on Batman at all. Oh. I don't know why. I just couldn't get into it. It just, there was you, nothing that, that kept me going back.
1: You don't know why? Did, did you have your eyes open while you were reading it? Yep. Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Then
2: I'm gonna <laughs> redeem myself, though. I re- read the the first two volumes of the Murphyverse. White Make. absolutely outstanding. No,
0: no, 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 no. Let's let's not get off topic here. Like, first of all, <laughs> why did it take you reading four volumes to go? I don't like this. Or how much? Uh, how I, much of it did you read out of pure curiosity?
2: All of it. I, I, Why would least, you read
0: eighty-five issues
2: of something that you don't enjoy? Because I was just waiting on it getting good. <laughs> I, I knew the city of being stuff was coming up, so uh, I was looking forward to that. The Wars of Riddles and Jokes was it was okay, but for, it, it just well, wasn't. For that me. that was the War
0: that, of Jokes and Riddles, not
2: Riddles sorry, sorry, jokes. The war of jokes and Jokes. My my goodness. And uh, I, I enjoyed the the one thing I did enjoy was the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. I, I thought that was. You mean the you
0: mean the central uh, story element of the entire run? You really enjoyed. You're taking the spot. On. <laughs> You're I'm taking to, the spot. I just I don't <laughs> I just genuinely don't understand the mentality of if something's eighty five issues long and I'm not feeling it after maybe ten fifteen issues max. I wouldn't. I mean that, well, that that's just I me. Mean, that's just me.
1: There is a certain pressure by the fact that we talk so highly about the run that that someone who is maybe not as deeply embedded in comics has well. Hasn't really been at it as long. Would kind of go well. There must be something about this, so I, I can yep. understand that. And 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 I guess, Paddy, I appreciate uh, that you you invested that time and and trying. You know, so you know that's that's an informed opinion. You know, if he'd only read you know six issues and and come back to us with that opinion, we'd have gone away and go and gone well, read some more. So well, you can't exactly. you can't you can't fault that Alan. That's, you can't that's
0: that. a fair point. That's a fair point. I suppose it's uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I suppose, mm. but. Uh... No that's absolutely fine. I mean at the end of the day that's that's part of the joy of comics so much variety to them. Everybody enjoys different things and you know but the murphyverse stuff yeah is pretty universally praised.
1: It's unbelievable. Yeah. And speaking of a classic, uh, what about the news this afternoon?
0: Well, from Marvel? it seems to me that for a long time when it comes to bringing talent across DC have been cherry picking from Marvel for a long time. And now Marvel have just finally answered one back and taken one of the, the industry legends, one of your personal favorite uh, artists of all time, Keith, back, uh, uh, back you know, at the House of Ideas.
1: I was going to say back at the House of Ideas because that's exactly where he started. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, John Romita Jr. back in the, back at, as you say, back at the House of Ideas, um, back at Marvel. That was a, a huge announcement this afternoon, just before we uh, just before we, we got on mic. Um, I'm really excited about that. I love uh John Romita Jr.'s art. I love his his history of Spider Man especially, mm-hmm. but he's he's done everything and I'm just wondering what he's going back on to. What would you like to see him on?
0: I mean, I have recently been getting into the Straczynski Spider Man run and obviously a lot mm. of Romita's uh, legacy work is there. Daredevil would be a good shout as well. He's he's obviously done some great work over the years. Yes, he has. I think through our little sort of detective work almost, I think we're possibly leading towards cap captain america perhaps new creative team coming on tana Hesse Coates' uh run is coming to an end uh we've speculated venom maybe i mean i think cap would be a really good shout
1: i mean again it wouldn't be john ramita jr's first time on cap either he was on it was last on for wasn't it rick Remender's run yeah uh, he did, yeah the dimensions ed stuff um so yeah, I mean, he could be he could be wanting to get another another pumped at some. There's very little that he that he hasn't. I was done. gonna
0: say, I mean, no matter what character we say, he's probably done something with it. And
1: yeah, and I mean, the, the interesting thing is, a legend like that, a legend who is the son of a legend, uh, you know, it's a
0: yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's, he's gonna get his, his pick of anything i think really so well it's it's a pretty big deal because he he was i think exclusive to dc for a good seven or eight years there i mean he first came on board during the new 52 imprint and he was the superman artist for jeff johns who was writing at the time and then rebirth came along he did uh, all-star batman with scott snyder He, he obviously was then heavily involved with with bendis and superman and action comics and all that kind of stuff so he's he's definitely been away from marvel for a while so it'll be it'll be nice to see what he gets up to i mean it's hard to look past a spider-man title of some kind simply because you know i i had the pleasure of meeting him a few years ago and he always says when he's asked to draw anything spidey is his guy like that's who (laughs) he loves to draw so uh you never know we might get a new spider-man title a web of spider-man or you know something like that uh peter parker spectacular I don't think uh, Amazing will change anytime soon. Patrick Gleason is sort of finding his, uh, he's finding his groove there. I think so. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Fantastic Four, maybe another shout, but again, it's it's a pretty established team. So, who knows? yeah, and uh, you've got one of
1: uh, one of Marvel's uh in inverted commas up and coming artists on that. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be. I don't think there's going to be shifting that soon. So yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah,
1: keep it uh, on the previews books. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so yeah that's it looking forward to, to to that next piece of news
0: on on what he'll be on yeah and then moving on to sort of the tv movie side of things you know obviously friday has become the day now you know friday we get new falcon winter soldier we get invincible most importantly we get mighty ducks game changers guys guys <laughs> tell me i'm not the only one watching this keith keith left our house yesterday vicky very ceremoniously handed him the uh the mighty ducks trilogy on dvd even though they're on Disney Plus, but was like, watch them on DVD. Uh I watched the first episode of this last week. I'm a big Mighty Ducks fan. You know, it's I feel the way about Mighty Ducks the way Keith does about Craddy Kid. You know, it was part of the childhood. It was just the right age to watch it. And uh this just felt like a big warm blanket of nostalgia. And it's it's not at the level of Cobra Kai yet. Obviously it's only one episode deep, but it gave me those similar sort of feelings. So uh I don't know if you guys will be jumping on it, but I if you just fancy something, switch your brain off, makes you feel good good underdog story. It's uh it, it's a hard one to beat. But outside of that, I'm sure you probably want to talk more about Falcon Winter Soldier episode 2 of 6. So another strong episode of this. Uh the the one thing I'll say about Falcon Winter Soldier is that it feels so cinematic that I feel yeah. cheated at 35 minutes when it's over. It's
1: like <laughs> give
0: me my 2 hour movie. Yeah.
1: There is there was so I mean there's so much good stuff going on in episode 2. First of all, it's the first episode that you have Falcon and Winter Soldier together. Uh, we get to see uh, John Walker, uh, Captain America, lately U.S. agent, uh, in action, along with his uh, his Bucky-esque character, uh, his Bucky-esque sidekick. But uh, there was a couple of real—I mean, so there was a couple of real standout moments for me in that in that episode. One was uh, whenever they were they were fighting the flag smashers on the back of the trucks and uh, and Cap through the shield. Bucky momentarily caught it, uh, which I thought was really interesting, and he gave him a look and handed it back, but what was interesting about that, I don't know if you noticed, but do you remember in Winter Soldier, Bucky caught the shield, but he caught it in his... Yeah, holding his his, arm straight out, and he caught it by his
0: bionic arm, wasn't
1: it? It was his bionic arm, exactly, his, his, his vibranium arm. Well, the arm that he caught it with this time was his normal arm, which just sort of goes to show that, you know, US agent or or John Walker doesn't you know he's 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 good but he, he's he's not a super soldier he doesn't have he's peak human but he doesn't have Steve's enhancements he doesn't have the super soldier enhancements so bucky can you know bucky's up there bucky's dealt with this shield before and can just catch it normally and and, and toss it back but the other was the introduction of um of Isaiah Bradley uh, the old man that uh, that bucky and falcon went to meet Megan Isaiah Bradley canon and the mcu is is pretty awesome um so uh isaiah bradley was was first introduced i guess in, in comics form in a book called truth red white and black uh, back in 2003 i think it was created by robert morales um but yeah the, the the character concept is that that steve wasn't the first to 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 receive the super soldier serum it had to be developed and of course, it was developed uh, on African American soldiers, uh, who who were effectively guinea pigs for the super soldier serum. And the the survivor of, of that process was Isaiah Bradley, uh, who became a kind of uh, a Captain America under under Project Rebirth before Steve received the the finalised super soldier serum. So it was pretty uh, pretty pretty brutal stuff, um, pretty poignant stuff, but. So it was great to see Isaiah Bradley, but we also saw his grandson, uh, who in the comics is named Elijah Bradley. And Elijah had the, 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 the genetic um, effects of the super soldier serum had been passed on to Elijah and he became Patriot of the young Avengers. Uh, so that, that was pretty awesome stuff there. Um, really enjoyed that. So there's, there's a, a larger story there. Uh, and I wonder how much of it they're going to tell in, in, in the TV show.
2: Yeah, I think so. really enjoyed it, and you can consider there's only four episodes left. You know, I think there is so much for them to explore. we kind of said the same about WandaVision, didn't we? You know, that when we were approaching the end, that there wasn't enough time, but really enjoyed it. Probably enjoyed it more than I enjoyed episode one. Uh, yeah, very, very good. You know, there was a scene that kind of stuck out for me a wee bit when John Walker was hanging off the back of the lorry. You know, that struggle he had to almost pull himself up. Uh-huh. I, again, Kenny emphasising a wee bit that he hasn't got cap strength, so yeah. no, to I'm be wondering fair. if at some point down the lane, is he going to try and get some of this super serum?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair to the guy, he did a, fore, a forehand pull up, and he managed to pull himself up into a jumping position, I was like, "Eh, good good for you. (laughs) Good for you. Some of us can't even manage a (laughs) pull-up. See,
0: I'm going to slightly spoil Falcon Winter Soldier for anybody out there who's a football fan right now. Keith won't care at all, but John Walker looks like Harry Kane, and it is so off-putting. Once you see it, you cannot not see it. I said it to Vicky halfway through the episode and she just gave me this look of, why'd you tell me that? So obviously you won't care at all, Keith, so it doesn't matter to you, but I could see Patty's look of disgust. He's like, damn it, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> same hairline. All I can
2: see, it was Kurt Russell's chin, and now it's Harry King. I do
0: hear Kurt Russell's voice quite a bit in him. He he does actually speak with some sort of authority, which I kind of like. And he does remind me of, has that sort of dry humor, I suppose, a little bit as well. But but yeah, very very strong episode. And again, it's it's a shame it's only six episodes. But you know that was always the plan. Clearly, uh, what else have we had in the last week? So we had the the Suicide Squad trailer drop. We had a whole host of new posters come out, character posters done in quite an interesting way on in social media actually where it was whoever the actor playing the character was got to put the, their own poster up and then james gunn retweeted it all saying like a little sort of a comment on each one as well and then there was the trailer now i remember seeing some trailer footage before back at dc fandom last year and then we've not seen anything since i did not realize starro was going to be in this where is a giant starfish kaiju fitting into the Suicide Squad? Yeah, I don't
2: think anyone did. I think that, that was complete out of the blue.
0: Yeah, very much out of left field, but really strong-looking trailer. It's uh, It looks like the sort of James Gunn camaraderie that he obviously excelled with with Guardians of the Galaxy, and I thought it was a, a strong trailer, and now I've seen enough I'll more than happily hold off at this point and uh, save any other surprises for when it comes out. Uh, I understand Keith has now watched all of the Snyder Cut. Uh, we have in our oh, notes here yeah. that he's watched half of it, but I know he's watched well, it I,
1: all. I, I made those notes, uh, I made these notes earlier, and uh, we watched the, the other half of it on... Uh, God, not last night, but the night before. Um, so yeah, all done. We watched it in the two parts. I think I enjoyed the first half more than the second half. Enjoyed it way more than the original release. Still a lot of problems in that. Still it's still the same story effectively um and that was part of the problem i think um but yeah i enjoyed it I enjoyed it more than the uh more than the first one are there 70 million dollars worth of differences there i don't think so was it great to see a lot more cyborg yes it was
0: um good enough good enough for my thoughts you can go on youtube because i had enough of people ask i didn't realize my opinion was so highly regarded but I had so many messages people asking me, including certain people in this podcast, messaging me at all hours of the day. Um, Didn't ask once. Didn't ask once. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I I very much enjoyed it, and I'm I'm very glad it exists, but it's it's a strange movie in a way because you kind of got to judge it in a unique way, I think, because if it had been getting a theatrical release, it wouldn't have been four hours long. It would have been trimmed. It would have been tightened, but it was very much, I think, a case of this is all you're going to get of these characters together. I'm just going to throw it all at the wall, take it all, you know, sort of thing. So it's, it's a weird movie to judge because it was never that cut of it anyway, is not designed for a theatrical release the way yeah, a mass definitely. market movie would be, you know? So I was
1: going to say, it's not, it's not a mass consumption movie by any means. I would say, I would say if it wasn't for a global pandemic, that movie wouldn't
0: have happened. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I yeah, yeah. I think so. And, and to be honest, all these, i i again, you can go and check out our, our YouTube channel for my more detailed thoughts, but I will just say that this whole Restore the Snyderverse stuff, look, just leave it, guys. This was a miracle this even exists. Maybe do a comic book or something to finish it off, and hell... That's f- a good idea. And hell, feeling that, just read Injustice, because that's what it's so heavily based on. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad DC, it exists. Uh...
1: DC Extended Universe moving forward Uh, we've got a release date for Black Adam
0: yeah very spooky sort of uh, announcement video I don't know if you guys saw it but essentially they took over uh, Times Square in New York and you had like this big Dwayne Johnson voiceover for it about how the DC Universe was going to change and there was all these lightning strikes on uh, on all the screens but of course. Times Square was empty so it was really it was kind of a really spooky announcement I thought but but yeah it's clear that they now have a plan in place they want to move on they give you know the Snyder Cut its its day and it you know it did well and you know critically it, it, it did very well as well so they've given it its day but now it's like right guys time to get back to what we're actually doing so uh, I'm more than happy to see a bit of Shazam and uh, Black Adam action down the line
1: and there was a wee bit of uh, there was a wee bit of controversy, I think, whenever some of those those self same uh, Snyderverse released the Snyderverse thing, they were uh, review bombing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which has been out and doing pretty well outside of the US, anyway.
0: Well, I would certainly say that uh, people in China do not read these review bombs because it is tearing up their <laughs> box office like you would not believe. Uh, yeah. It's it I think it outgrows tenet. In the space of like two days or three days, it's really, and it's really good to see because this has been a year where we've let's be honest, we've been starved of like box office, and it's and you know I don't really care about box office that much or reviews in terms of guiding me for what I'll watch, but I like to see the movie industry start to pick up again, and it was it was great to see positive news for a a big movie rather yeah. than you know another movie limped into the cinemas and nobody went to see it sort of thing, so. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we chatted about it a little bit before we came on. It's it's hitting this side of the world uh, through Amazon Prime and Skybox Office and stuff like that. Uh, other options are available, of course. But mm. it might be the kind of movie that helps restart cinemas over here as well. You know, big summer blockbusters, you know, limited capacity to get started and build it up. Uh, my fingers Those are cinemas crossed. do have to be open first. Though. That's what I'm saying. So limited capacity yeah. started you know, with less people and then build it up mm. and God, I hope it happens soon because I genuinely miss the cinema. Yeah, big style. I see. Um, I don't know if you've, you've you've seen the trailer for it. There's a red
1: band trailer for uh, Bob Odenkirk, uh, he who is Saul Goodman.
0: Uh, I, I, is I, I find it hard to take that trailer seriously.
1: <laughs> it, man, it it looks class. It's just it's, it looks like a, a light-hearted revenge thriller.
0: It does, but you know, and don't get me wrong, I love the idea of anybody rein reinvigorating their career in a different way you know Liam Neeson did it with Taken let's be honest he was never a badass action star he was more of a Schindler's List and a you know Rob Roy type uh you know period actor almost but Bob Odenkirk Saul come on Saul couldn't hurt a fly so I uh (laughs) but the trailer did catch me so yeah I'll definitely check it out at some point I would say big style big style and what
1: about um Sort of, I guess it's maybe slightly negative news
0: uh, in some ways that Black Widow is getting home release. It's always been, I've always been expecting it. I think I've, I think I've said it before on here as well. If there was a movie that was going to be used as a guinea pig almost for home release, I thought it would be Black Widow. Um, You know, it's an espionage movie as opposed to a big, you know, galaxy spanning epic. It's it's a prequel it it will of course set things up uh, along the way as well but i always had this feeling they were going to do it and fair play to them they held off as long as they could they really wanted it to be a theatrical release just wasn't in the stars so uh i think but at the same time i'm really looking forward to watching it so
1: yeah big style and i mean we might yet get to see it at the cinema uh i mean i have no doubt that whenever cinemas open if we don't they'll re-release it Mm -hmm. uh, at the cinema um to me, it it didn't feel like good news for cinemas in general, yeah, uh, because they were holding out for so long, and and but uh, but yeah, I mean certainly I'd be I'd be I'll be watching it one way or another, and and if it does get re released at the cinema, I'll be I'll be back out for it, you know, because because I've seen we've all seen every Marvel movie at the cinema so far, It'd be a shame to miss one, would not it? Everybody.
2: Yeah, when when I read the news, it my heart sunk a bit, you know what we've yeah. talked on here before. I think you know. Marvel was kind of not the last beacon of hope, but they were they were the studio that was holding out, you know, we're not gonna do this home release, you're gonna see this in the cinema. I was surprised by it because I think every, I, you know, maybe it's maybe an optimistic, but I think July cinemas will be open. I think, you know, I, I can't see why they would just suddenly, because I know things in the States are picking up pretty well. I was talking to my sister, she says cinema's out there and she lives in New Jersey she said they're open. So it, it took me by surprise a bit, but uh, yeah, it's, I'll be going to see it in the cinema, whether it be the first time I see it or yeah, it's the second, if I have to walk, pay for it on Disney plus, you know, mm. see, so what be it. Happens.
1: see what happens. But I mean, I suppose on the, on the production side of, of Marvel, there's been some, there's been some filming news as well, which is, I suppose it's good to see. Um, the Brie Larson-led Captain Marvel sequel, and the Paul Rudd-led Ant-Man and the Wasp, oh. Quantumania, are both, uh, they're reportedly scheduled to start their production
0: at the end of May. I don't um, think you could have picked two movies more that are at opposite ends of my anticipation scale than those two <laughs> movies. Because I love the Ant-Man movies so much, they are great, and I'm not a fan of Captain Marvel, so...
1: Yeah, well, you know, maybe the second one i will, will pick it up for you. Oh, I'll
0: still go and see it in the cinema. I'll, they'll, they'll still get my money, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There um, is that. Did you see as well? That... There was uh, some casting news as well that, as well as uh, Thor: Love and Thunder already getting a former Batman in Christian Bale, they've now got uh, Jor El and Russell Crowe will be uh, in a small yes, role as well.
1: That's right. That's right. I, I saw that and and I got. It's hard to say who at this stage, you know um i know uh, as well spider-man no way home has wrapped up filming or is wrapping up filming shortly uh love and thunder is it's in the middle of its shoot in sydney and dr strange and the multiverse of madness is in the middle of its shoot in london there's been some pictures out for that i think eternals wrapped up quite a long time ago about a year ago didn't it
0: mm-hmm. uh, i think there's just Shang-Chi's a lot of post-production rats. work yeah eternals is very heavily effects based so but i think yeah, the filming yeah, was done Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has wrapped,
1: I think Black Panther 2 is aiming for June or July, and Guardians 3 is apparently kicking off its shoot towards the end of the year, and then on the TV front, Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye are in production, uh, and Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Secret Invasion, and Armor Wars are all said to be kicking off in the next month or so, so... Things are starting to ramp up again on
2: on the production side. Exciting times.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's almost the kind of thing you might find out more about at the San Diego Comic-Con, which is apparently coming back this year (laughs) with zero comic guests by the sound of it. Um, Yeah, so San Diego Comic-Con traditionally takes place a lot earlier in the year, but they've they've set up a uh, brand-new Comic-Con for Thanksgiving weekend. Now, I can... Sort of see what they're going for. It's a weekend where probably more people will have time off from work. It's, you know, as if you were going to be a guest of the Comic Con, you can go as a family, but you're also asking comic creators and professionals and people who have maybe not spent a lot of time with their family in the last two years to give up probably. I would probably say the most sacred holiday in America, probably even more so than Christmas. uh So yeah, there was not the to, there was not the reaction to this. I think they were guessing from a lot of uh a lot of canadian guys were very excited about the date though
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh yeah it just seems like a real screw up i mean i know everybody's keen to get back but everybody's also keen to get back to spending regular time with their their
0: families and and celebrating that and i mean uh, yeah that that seems like seems like someone didn't think that through yeah to say the least So i'll be very curious to see what they do i mean san diego comic-con to me always seems to be more about the tvs and movies anyway i know a lot of comic creators do go to it but i always look more at new york comic con being like the comic comic con if that makes sense whereas san diego is all about the tv shows and movies um just a couple other wee things to finish off with uh there was the news this week that sort of shook up the comic industry quite a bit with uh marvel have now left diamond comic distributors as the exclusive distributor of their comics in the u.s they have signed up with uh, Penguin Random House to distribute their stuff. It's interesting that uh, this is probably the biggest shakeup in distribution in the industry. That's this last year in general, DC have already left Diamond. Uh, they have two different uh, distribution companies in the States. It hasn't affected us this side of the world yet. Uh, we've had emails from Diamond in the last week or two, you know, reaffirming their commitment to distributing Marvel comics in the UK, to redistributing DC comics till at least the end of this year and then beyond so it's not something that has affected us massively but I can only think it's a good thing for the industry I think any industry that has a monopoly on anything gets complacent mm, and yeah I've, yeah I've talked a lot about certainly my own personal troubles with Diamond and you know this week again you know I had half my delivery on a Monday half on the Wednesday not that that's necessarily on them but it'll be interesting to see moving forward how this all goes because this did happen before you know obviously uh, i know marvel set up their own distribution networks before but i think we're in a position now where it can be a bit more thoroughly thought through and a better executed i would i would almost say um yeah just but a lot of creators are are looking at it really interestingly because now diamond are going to turn their attention to the indie companies and sort of be like be our friend
1: Mm, yeah i mean that you'd you wonder about the future of diamond, I guess, a wee bit. Um, there is, there is that, and I mean, I know a lot of American stores have sort of been, been concerned about uh, because I guess they're maybe treated a wee bit better by diamond, um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so they've been, been worried a wee bit, worried about the
0: future of diamond. But yeah, we'll see what happens. And then just a couple of things, obviously Keith and I, and uh, we welcomed back Roddy onto the podcast there last uh, Saturday as well. We put a, a previews podcast together, which covers all of the uh, scheduled releases for June. It was a lot of fun having Roddy back on. He'll, he'll be dipping in and out uh, to the pod here and there, but don't worry, Paddy, you're not cut yet. Although after, <laughs> after your opinion on the Tom Keen Batman, you're on thin ice, my friend.
2: I'll give it was, It was very, very good hearing him back. Uh, i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah it
0: was he's uh he's definitely got his passion back for comics and that uh, yeah it was just a really good chat with him and then just one last bit of news but again we'll we'll f- go into more detail on this next week but it looks like april 12th we will be able to open in a click and collect capacity uh therefore you'll be able to pick up pull lists we're going to be aiming to open three days a week which will be a monday a wednesday and a saturday monday because that's the day our delivery arrives wednesday it allows us to put some sort of semblance of new comic book day together and then Saturday's the day most people are free so there'll be more details on that announced next week. We, we're cutting it a bit fine on announcing all the details because obviously this is an ever-evolving situation and we would rather just uh, rather just have everything confirmed before announcing it and then having to backtrack. So, But yeah that's pretty much everything uh, in terms of the news so let's talk some comics. So Yes, indeed. We're going to go over the releases from the twenty fourth of March. Uh, as always, we'll look at our totals, and ooh, they are neck and neck this week. I tell you, we <laughs> Paddy's really got those rookie numbers up. <laughs> so for myself, I had twenty titles in total. Uh, indie was the big winner again for me this week with nine indie, and then DC Marvel again were pretty neck and neck. I had six DC and five Marvel. How about yourself, Keith? What were your numbers? I was
1: sitting three behind you on seventeen. My Marvel and Indie were neck and neck-ish, more or less. I had seven Marvel and eight Indie, uh, with DC bringing up the uh, bringing up the rear with uh, with two. But they were two goodies, two goodies. And what about yourself,
2: Paddy? What was your numbers? Tied with Keith for the first time ever on what? seventeen. What? I know. I was so proud of myself when I saw it. Uh, seventeen in total: three DC, five Marvel, four Indie. And five trade paperback. The five trade paperbacks were all indie as well. So I suppose you could say nine indie in total then.
1: So you had 12 comics and then you wanted to need to keep up with Keith and buy five trade paperbacks here.
2: Yes, I went for the most expensive option rather than just, you know, <laughs> buy single issues. <laughs> I want to do it in style. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, those i mean, those being our totals for the week, we always like to go through a few honourable mentions, and then we'll certainly get to our picks of the week, uh, which again, there's a there's a good spread of as well, so, I mean, kicking things off with DC, it's it's kind of nice, Patty. you were talking earlier about getting into the White Knight universe and so forth, you had read Batman White Knight, and then it's sequel Curse of the White Knight, I've been talking a lot about uh, Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn, which has been routinely said to be a spin-off rather than a direct sequel, but... Again, I'm going to keep championing this. This is a direct sequel to Curse of the White Knight. Uh, this was the last issue this week, which was book six. So, collected trade will be coming soon on this. But great last issue. Uh, Katana Collins is on writing, who you know is is Sean Murphy's uh, wife, but a, a brilliant writer in her own right. Sean Murphy contributes story ideas and also does covers, and then you have Mario Scalera on art for it as well. So, really, really strong finish to this. It's uh, essentially been a been harley being brought back into the gotham pd to help with a case uh to do with this uh old movie star called starlet and the last issue really delivered it, it gave a new costume for harley so no doubt the speculators out there will be their usual nonsense sales. uh when i say new costume i mean it's literally black and gray instead of red and black but you know but yeah it's just it's a really good exploration of uh this harley's relationship certainly with bruce wayne he's still in prison you know uh, he's there obviously because of his you know crimes against the city as batman there is of course the inevitable batmobile shot in this because sean murphy cannot resist drawing cars and it's the batmobile from batman 89 as well that man loves batman 89 so yeah really really strong really worthy sequel i thought to uh curse of the white knight and again will be coming in uh in trade form soon which means you two boys can certainly catch up with that uh, and then Shock horror, another Bat title that I enjoyed, was uh, Batman Black and White. So, again, uh, the, we keep talking about anthologies and so forth, and they do go up and down in qualities. You know, obviously Red and Blue Superman was was my pick of the week. Carnage didn't really do an awful lot for me. But Batman Black and White has been pretty consistent, and I think that's because Batman is the DC character everyone wants to write, just like Spider-Man is the Marvel character everyone wants to write. So, you know, you've a great who's who of talent on this issue. You've got Joshua Williamson writing a story. You've got Chip Zdarsky writing a story. You've got Becky Cloonan on writing duties, Daniel Warren Johnson. Then you've got art in here from uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Riley Rossmo, Simon de Mayo, the Dodsons, Jen Bartel. So a couple of really good stories and great variety in the stories as well. I mean, the, uh, the Joshua Williamson story alone was super, which was called A Night in the Life of a Bat in Gotham. And it was basically all about, like, the whole story was almost from the Bat's uh, point of view rather than from Batman's point of view, so to speak. Uh, Riley Ross won art for that one, which was great. You had a, a really supernatural tinged issue with Carl Kershull, uh which was called uh, the Davenport House. And this was all to do with, like, a supernatural mystery of a woman who was murdered in that house. And uh, these people trying to summon that spirit back. Really good Chips story with uh, Poison Ivy as well. Uh, Nick Bradshaw was an art for that. He then had uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, which was a brilliant issue uh, based around Alfred and thinking ahead. And so it had Alfred in there. It had uh, Damian Wayne, but it also had Two-Face and Batman. And, you know, Daniel Warren Johnson's art is just incredible. I've, I've spoken so highly about it before through uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth, for example. Something else I believe you read this week, Paddy?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely outstanding. Completely just, oh, as soon as I finished reading it, I messaged in and I completely forgot that it was your, your your pick of the year last year, but I thought it was fantastic. Anything kind of post-world doom and gloom, for some reason, I just love it. Yeah, just cracking,
0: and cracking and title that one. So that, that's really what I should have thrown you, Keith, when you dropped Invincible to me, to be honest, because I uh, of have of the trade here could have thrown to you. Um But yeah, and then there was one more story in here called The Fool's Journey, which was a a bit more of a standard detective story, but really, really interesting, you know, it was almost like an episode of Cluedo or something like that, Batman turned up in a murder scene, there were uh, five different uh, suspects, and then it was all about narrowing it down, it was a murder that took place within the circus, Um, Becky Clunan wrote that, and the Dodsons were on art as well, so... Yeah, really really strong week this week I thought for Batman titles in general. Um we'll certainly get to to one more when it hits picks of the week. Spoiler, it's not even my pick of the week. But that's the Bat side of the universe. How about the Superman side of DC at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean I uh I just want to highlight Action Comics uh 1029. Um Philip Kennedy Johnson has taken over the the Superman corner of the, the the DC Universe. He's on both Superman and Action Comics, and he's teamed up here with uh, with Phil Hester on Action Comics. This is the second part of the Golden Age, uh, which is a story that started in Superman twenty nine a couple of weeks ago, and it continues directly on from that. And it's a fairly it's a fairly poignant one, I have to say. It kind of hits you in the heart a wee bit, um, certainly if you're maybe uh, a man of a certain age. Um, so in the first part, Clark and John Kent teamed up to venture into nearby outer space and confront these things that were coming out of this dimensional breach. And what they didn't realise at the time was that the breach had opened in the past and it was it was growing stronger with each repeated opening. They also didn't realise that that's all Amanda Waller's fault, so it ties into all of her machinations. But, you know, she's already... She's getting tired of, of not being you know, the top dog anymore. And, and as a human falling short of super part opponents and she's changing the way she does things. But, but part of that is keeping the breach open through star labs because she knows that the exposure to the breach is weakening Superman for whatever reason. And this ultimately ends up with Clark suffering an injury at the end of, of part one. It's, it's a minor injury, but how often do you see Superman bleed and how often more importantly, does his son John see Superman bleed? So that's really, I mean, the the, the the breach opens again, weakens him further, and he sustains more significant damage. But that's really what the story is about. That's what the meat of this story is about. It's about father and son. It's about, I mean, we know, you know, that uh, that Superman missed his son's formative years because John grew up in outer space with his grandfather and came back as a teenager. He went away as a child and came back as a teenager. So it's, I think it was it was—was was Grant Morrison that, that once said that uh, Superman stories are just real life stories, but much, much bigger because it's Superman, you know? And that's what this is. This is like as, as if a father has missed his son growing up and, you know, he's, he's regretting missing all those moments, but it's also maybe more poignantly, f- Certainly how I saw it was about a son who starts to see his father as something less than indestructible. You know how whenever you're a kid, you know, your parents always seem like they can do no wrong and they can't be hurt. And they, you know, so there's something it was like it was like a real gut punch of a a story, I have to say. So, yeah, great one. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is killing it on the Superman corner of the of the DC universe. And if this is what he's going to do going forward, great Hester's art is you know i love my clean lines it, it's it's all clean lines and and, and bright colors and uh and uh, even if it's it, it's somewhat simplistic it seems somewhat simplistic at times but you know he plays with the panels and you know there's a dimensional breach and that dimensional breach is breaching the panel you know it's it's good stuff so yeah loving this loving this so that's action comics 1029 worth a read by itself even if you're not following superman i would say
0: yeah, I mean, this was... Uh, I, I don't know how much the, the two titles are going to overlap, obviously, with Phil Kennedy-Johnson being on them both. This was definitely a two-parter here, but um, jog my memory side I read Action as well, and I actually enjoyed it myself, but isn't there a scene in it as well where Clark talks about, like, when he first saw his father fall? Yeah, When he was exactly, younger, and his dad, yeah. of course, was all like, no, 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 I'm not hurt, I'm not hurt. and yeah. I thought yeah, it was so, really poignant as well.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, and I think maybe you know i am I'm, I'm seeing my parents get a wee bit older you know and and, and maybe there's something there uh, i think but it, i thought it was a real emotional a real emotional story a real uh, real lovely story in some ways as well um the midnighter story that is is the backup story continues on from future state the future state midnighter was was shot into the the present day uh, I, I, I have to say, I just I, I just burned through it, especially after the Superman story. It's a, the, the, it's the a big story. tonal
0: shift. I mean, I, I think what's interesting with DC's new direction of main story and then backup story, it works with some better than others. Like, I think the Robin backup stories in Batman and Detective are very good because they're linked to that universe. I think that uh, Justice League Dark um, is fantastic as a backup to Justice League, and arguably you could switch those two around if you ask me, but... With Midnighter, it's just such a jarring change from Superman. I don't see a link there almost. So therefore, yeah. it's a change in tone and pace, and I don't know. Maybe that's what they're after. Maybe that's what they're after. You know. Yeah, possibly, possibly. So, so yes, yeah, so those are pretty much the honourable mentions of the DC wise. Uh, a couple of Marvel ones. Uh, I know you want to throw a bit of love out for it, Keith.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mais Morales, uh, number twenty-four. uh and Ahmed and uh, Carmen Nunez Carnero. Uh, great, a great issue. It felt like a breather. It felt like a uh, like a palate cleanser um, just after the darkness of, of of King and Black and the the cradle stuff that's been happening in, in, in Miles Morales and, and Kamala Khan. This was this was a quiet wee moment of reflection uh, and appreciating just the, the the quiet moment where where Miles and Kamala Khan, uh, otherwise known as as Ms Marvel, are able to to meet up as friends, you know and and talk about family stuff and her not really being she's she's lying. She's she's out to meet Miles, but she's told her family she's out for uh, you know, to, to visit the library for some projects she's doing and you know, even even though she's a, a superhero superhero. And it's just seeing them as friends, but then you know, they can't stay out of costume for for too long and they have to heed a call for help, and that leads to fighting an injustice of a of a property developer who's let his properties get run down and and Miles, you know, Miles is really the, the the I guess the social justice warrior here, and and really, really has you wanting to stand up to a wee bit of injustice yourself, you know. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a it was a really nice, uh, really nice story. Uh, just that, and it gives you a chance to catch your breath because next up is uh, Miles Morales's version of the Clone Saga. Uh, so uh, an issue twenty-five. So I think that's going to be it's going to be fairly full-on. Um, yeah, good one, and I'm I'm really enjoying. I'm really getting to, to Miles Morales as as Spider-Man through through Ahmed and, and and that. But the other book that uh, worth talking about as well is Guardians of the Galaxy number twelve, uh, the end of an era here uh, as uh, Al Ewing and, and Juan Cabal come to the end of their their first year in the book, um, and it it's a, a two part thing. I guess it's 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 an epic confrontation that closes off the the story with the, the dark Olympian gods that's been going on. It's, it's, it's a full on all action, uh, slightly psychedelic visual assault on the senses, you know, Uh, and it's, it's all sort of uh, volume to 11 and great, great fight, great, great character pieces and and delivers on what the first 11 issues have done. Uh, But what it's setting up is, is what comes next up until now, the Guardians of the Galaxy have been this ragtag group of of mercs and survivors and 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 oddballs surviving by the skin of their teeth. But what's going to happen next uh, is what's what's important, and, and this sets all that up. Uh, so I would say this this next issue issue thirteen will be a great jumping on point for Guardians, um, and I, they're they're going to be with the Nova Corps gone. They're going to be stepping up as. As, as a new set of teams as, as marvel's cosmic side really leading that um so yeah really looking forward to seeing what's what's coming but great single issue as well here with uh, with number 12 and the the end of of the, of the current arc really
0: yeah it's interesting with guardians when I mean, we had a, a few regulars in the store get into it because there was a couple of Keenan black tie-ins and then they actually really enjoyed the vibe of it and are now staying on it so they're Quite excited about the idea of a brand new story arc kicking off in thirteen. So, as you say, good jump. I mean, good jumping on point for both those titles, as as you were saying, with Miles Morales getting ready to jump into its version of the Clone Saga, and then Guardians uh, taking on a brand new storyline with thirteen as well. But that moves us to the indie, and we move away from jumping on points, and we come to a full stop, or do we, Keith?
1: That's an interesting one. Die, die, die. Number fourteen. Uh, so this has been. An absolutely insane book since it started. Would that be fair to say, Alan? Yeah, it's it's been slightly over the top. Yeah, I mean we've had uh, we've had uh, quadruplet uh, assassins all named after members of the Beatles. We've had massive government uh, conspiracies. We've had uh, Dick Babies. Uh, we've had uh, all sorts of things, uh, and now we find out that the office of the president of the United States comes with uh, a slightly whiff, a uh, slightly unspoken uh, job remit. Uh, so there's there's a, there's a clause in there that the, the real job of the president of the United States is uh, every four years to go out into space, and uh, because Earth wants to maintain its independence from the and this this isn't you know you wouldn't recognise the story in issue 14 relative to the story in issue one, but it's it's been a continuum. Uh, it's got here naturally, believe it or not. Uh, so every four years, the president goes out into uh, into the, 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 the cosmos and fights a number of uh, alien competitors in a boxing match, a cosmic boxing match, uh, in order to maintain Earth's uh, independence. Now, the problem here is that a slightly edging uh, Barack Obama has been called forward for his third term. There's a reason that presidential terms only last for a maximum of eight years, because you know two fights you could maybe survive three you're never going to survive and of course as obama says himself whenever he gets up to the edge of the ring you know how come are you how come you're here a third time you know you're you're a little overweight and and uh, you're 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 a bit out of shape you you've done this before and his answer is he goes the alternative was fatter and oranger. <laughs> 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 so uh yeah. but it's 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 so good it's just it's just uh, yeah I mean, but the, I mean, I guess the announcement at the end of this was that day, day, day isn't finished, but number 14 will be the last issue, possibly for a number of years, probably not for as much of a decade. And knowing Robert Kirkman, he will be back whenever we least expect him and in a form that we least expect him. So, uh, yeah, this will this will be over two trades. Uh, Kirkman, uh, Scott Gimble, and uh, Chris Fair, Chris Burnham and Nathan Fair- Fairburn in this have been have been fantastic. The story is nuts uh it'll be well worth reading and reading and trade back to back uh, whether or not it'll make much more sense i don't know but i would say if it's not on your read
0: pile get it on your read pile yeah it's like that warm embrace of an over-the-top 80s violent action movie essentially and uh, it just gets crazier and crazier yeah the first trade came out it was uh eight issues it was uh, an oversized trade and then I'm guessing the second trail will come along. It'll cover nine to six, uh, nine to fourteen. Sorry, so it'll be a more traditional six issue uh, size for that one. So, so, yeah, die 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 number fourteen. I'll tell you why you should be reading ha ha instead. So I've I've been on this from the start, and you know it's it's been close to pick of the week every every time an issue comes out, and this was very close to my pick of the week again this week for the very simple reason that I'm a huge fan of comics there are silent issues. Some of the best storytelling has been done with zero dialogue just with the art telling the story and that's what this issue is about. So with Haha, it's essentially an anthology, Uh, it's going to be a six issue anthology series and every issue is going to deal with a different type of clown or a different character. So with this one we're focusing on the mime so therefore it's a silent issue. So the issue itself is uh called Remy Says. So the storyline here is basically that you have this uh this mime who is you know brilliant at what he does. He captivates audiences but they're not prepared to give him any money at the end of it. So he's basically living on the poverty line and they they communicate a few things rather than just dialogue, like he'll come home to his apartment and you know the landlord will come out and there'll be two exclamation marks and dollar signs, but it's not like, where's my rent, where's the money, that kind of thing. And he finds out that, uh, he finds this leaflet that if you go to scrap heaps, you can get copper wire and get money for it. So when he goes to the scrap heap, he actually comes across this robot that has been dumped unceremoniously into the scrap heap. But what he sees with the robot is that it's able to mimic his exact movements. So if he's doing a mime on the street, this robot is doing it beside him. And this uh, this brings everybody in. The money's flowing, everybody's happy. But you also see that Remy's a good character because he sees like a little girl who's starving and gives her a wee coin, gives her a bit of money, that kind of thing. But the only problem with this is it gives him more and more press. So therefore, the scientist with two heavies behind him turns up and basically is like, this robot's mine and takes it back. So it then becomes a story about Remy trying to get the robot back. But it takes a really, really dark, bittersweet turn towards the end of it. But when you talk about clean lines, Keith, like this is the personification of clean lines. So it's an artist called Roger Langridge, who, uh, you know, he's, he's got a very cartoony type style. But he, he's done stuff like he's, he's drawn for Thor. He's drawn John Carter of Mars. He's drawn the Rocketeer. He's drawn, uh, he did a, f- a couple issues of Batman, that kind of thing as well. But this is the epitome of just clean lines, great character work, really interesting story. I mean, the pages are like divided up into different panel structures, nearly every single page. You'll have one page is nine panels, then the next one is two, then the next one is a splash page, then the next one has seven panels. It captures your attention the whole way through it, and you just know it's not going to end well for poor old Remy. Uh, but yeah I love this series it's something completely different to everything else that's in comics at the moment and again it, it slightly uh, is depressing it's only going to be six issues but different clown each time always self-contained stories and a different artist each time as well which I think keeps it interesting so uh, yeah highly highly recommend getting into that at some point even if it's just down the line in trades uh, brilliant issues so that's uh haha number three uh, and then one more honorable mention from yourself, Keith, M., for Indy, and then we'll get into Patty's trade reading pile after that.
1: Yes, and I am on Dune, House of Trades number five of 12, I believe, from Boom Studios, not Marvel, as I keep weirdly thinking. Uh, I don't know what's going, going on there. But yeah, obviously, this is the a, a prelude to the the, the original Dune novel and, uh, and, and the movie that we're we're, we're hotly expecting to come out to, and hopefully hopefully to the cinema. So Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson uh, are writing this and uh, Dev Pramanik is on illustration and is doing such a good job. This is... They're taking their time. They've got 12 issues and they're taking their time. They have so much story to tell to position the characters where they need to be at the start of the original story. And, and, and there are a number of different threads here. Yeah, so we start in Arrakis, the, the desert planet that is the, the planet of Dune, and and we've got uh, the, the there are the Fremen who are the, the 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 indigenous people and are are really focused on water, and the the uh, the imperial um, planetologist Pardokh Keynes, he's been he's, he was rescued by them and rescued them, and and he's been spreading like a a. a, a an idenic vision of of uh, to terraform the planet Dune and have water falling from the sky. To a group of people who actually use water from dead bodies just to uh, to to survive, you know, and transform it into an oasis. so he's he's starting to move in the way of becoming a spiritual and 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 religious leader of the of the fremen. so he's almost where he needs to be. and that's meanwhile the uh, the fremen leaders are are plotting to kill him. We have the soon to be Duke uh, Leto Atreides, who is Paul's father, paul being the uh, uh the, the protagonist of the of the series he's me he's on a on, on the planet x where there's uh, as a young man where a revolt is brewing and the city leaders are making decisions that are, are threatening everybody and then meanwhile you have you have uh the crown prince uh of shadam and his uh his, his his partner are are uh conspiring to to kill off his father the uh the 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 uh, what do they call him, The the Emperor uh, Shadam. So there's a whole lot going on. There's three or four storylines uh, to follow, but they're all been really nicely parsed out, and and the time they're taking is just just great. And then uh, finally, we have uh, we pick up again the story of Duncan Idaho, uh, which is a story we've seen a wee bit about in previous issues, and and where where he's going to be. So probably means very little to you if you haven't read the book or or seen the original movie. But all these characters are are great very rich characters and it's great seeing uh seeing the writers start to position them where they're going to be right at the start of the start of the movie or, or, or the start of the, the original novel uh so yeah that's uh, june house of atreides number five of
0: twelve and then we're going to just finish off honorable mentions with uh A couple of trades from awa studios obviously we've been talking about them for a long time certainly been pushing them a lot in store just great self-contained stories four five six issues max and uh i see you indulged in a few trades this week patty
2: i did i i had five trades in total i had undiscovered country volume two which i've Still to read, I picked up four AWA ones. Uh, the two I haven't started are Old Hunts on Grandel, Kentucky. I'm actually lying. I read the first issue of Grandel, Kentucky and really enjoyed it. But it was quite late at night and I was up early in the morning. But the two I did read were Bad Mother and Devil's Highway. I enjoyed them both. Uh, I think AWA's format works works brilliant. Uh, Bad Mother is kind of a, a revenge tale, almost like a like a taken almost she's a, a heavily pregnant mother and her her daughter goes missing but she kind of figures out who done it and extracts revenge i mean devil's highway is a uh prostitutes turn up missing on uh truckers basically it, it's evil truckers it reminded me made me laugh a wee bit thinking of do you remember the the controversy around top gear whenever it was a jeremy clarkson said all truckers murder prostitutes or he, he makes a joke or something. Something really, con- Jeremy Clarkson, controversial comment. I try not to uh,
1: listen to a word the man says.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, I really enjoyed both. I thought both stories were, were very well told. This is quite a few AWA titles, AWA titles I've read now. And it, even though they're all very different, there's something similar about them. I can't put my finger on it. I think it's maybe that it's a self-contained story, that you know it's four or five issues. So there's definitely something seems coming off, even though they aren't. Does that make sense? Or yeah, does that I mean, contradict
0: themselves? For, for me, they're very genre-heavy. So there is that as well. You know, they're they're very well-worn genres they use. But a lot of the creators crossover as well. So, for example, Bad Mother is written by Christa Faust, art by Mike Deodato Jr. That's the team that are doing Redemption uh in devil's highway it's benjamin percy who writes that benjamin percy also does year zero for awa so there is that as well but i know what you mean i i I find them like really like awa titles are like the kind of thing that if you know that there's going to be a new concept you kids out there but it's like you go to the video store on a friday night and you grab like a genre movie just uh you know, it's it doesn't have a lot of depth, but it's just gonna entertain the hell out of you the whole way through. What's a video store? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you wish you were that young son. You I worked
2: wish. in Extra Vision.
0: <laughs> when you're even old enough to work on one, you cannot say what is a video store. So uh but yeah, AWA tells I love the format. I mean I I obviously love long runs in comics, I love big massive character and story arcs and stuff like that. But sometimes you just want a good self-contained well written, well drawn story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if it does well, you can always do a follow up to it, which is what they've done with Year Zero, and uh, what they're doing with uh, Resistance, which is coming out soon as well. Um,
1: just whenever you're talking about video stores, uh, and just to just to to give a little love to another local business, we were down in uh, in Mike's Fancy Cheeses, uh, just round the corner from uh, from Coffee and Heroes, and uh, picking up some stuff. And uh, I noticed he was wearing a it was a, a scarf he was wearing and it, it was someone who knit him an, an extra vision scarf <laughs> which is just uh, I thought it was fantastic anyway a, a slight aside
0: i was really curious how you were going to fold in a video store to a cheese store there but Did I just uh, effortlessly as always effortlessly <laughs> as always so yeah so that's pretty much the uh the honorable mentions so uh we're just going to go into picks of the week a little bit more detail as well we'll there will be some spoilers, as always, along the way, but we'll, we'll try and keep them to a minimum. But, yeah, so picks of the week this week. I came close to having Ha as my pick of the week, but the one that just edged it for me is actually one of the most under-ordered titles in the store. I think there's only five or six people on this. I've ordered more to come next week because I think this is going to explode. I was really impressed with this. I am talking about Teen Titans Academy. So this is a brand new number one, spinning out of Infinite Frontier. Written by Tim Sheridan, penciled by Rafa Sandoval, uh, inked by Jordi Tarragona, colored by Alejandro Sanchez, and lettered by Rob Lee. This is not a new concept. We have been digging the hell out of Strange Academy for eight or nine issues at this point. It really does amaze me, you know, and Keith and I read books about this, you know, Marvel DC, pinching ideas off each other, coming up with ideas at the same time, all this kind of stuff. But this is essentially the DC version of Strange Academy. But instead of it being the mystical side, it's the Teen Titans. So there's a really good line in this where some of the the new students in it are talking. And they say, uh, so if we're not Titans, are we Teen Titans? And one of them says, right now we're just freshmen. The faculty are Titans. The upperclassmen are the active roster Teen Titans. So the idea behind this is that Teen Titans Academy has opened. You have the Titans, as I say, as the faculty. And they're going to usher in the new generation of Titans to come through. So to give you an idea of some of the characters involved here, uh, you've got uh, a new Shazam, Australian Spitzer, a couple of Gotham teens who are obsessed with Batman and you've then got the faculty which includes, and this is why you should be reading this Keith, Nightwing, Starfire, Raven, Cyborg and Beast Boy. And The original Titans. The original Titans. Now, this this is the kind of title that is really delivering on that promise of Infinite Frontier. This is four-color. This is bright. This is blue skies the whole way through it. This is a more all-ages story. But there's also a little um, underpinning of darkness through it as well based around this character called Red X. Now, Red X at one point was a, a persona that Dick Grayson adopted, but he almost got slightly lost in it and he left it behind. But now suddenly this persona is starting to come back into their lives through this. And it looks like one of these new students are going to adopt that persona. But it was just a really great, uh, really great first issue. Not an awful lot of action to it, but it's setting up loads of characters. You know, it kicks off with them approaching, you know, the, the Titans Tower. It's almost like a scene out of Harry Potter where they're all arriving on the boats. And, you know, the mist clears and you see Hogwarts. And the Harry Potter references don't stop there because Dick Grayson comes off with one and he thinks he's the funniest guy in the room and, of course, nobody laughs. laughs. But uh, he gets a uh, a new bunch of students come into this room and he says, Welcome to Defence Against the Dark Arts. And everyone just sort of looks at him and he says, I guess you're all too young for that reference. And then this seemed like a little dig at J.K. Rowling, but uh, one of them says back, No, we understand the reference. We just think nowadays it's problematic and best ignored. Uh, so there's a little bit of social commentary here is, as well. That is hilarious.
1: There's so much going on there. You know the fact that that a all of us think Nightwing is the coolest thing since sliced bread, and we're just talking about his last issue, and these kids are going, eh? Who is you know, this old that, man? Uh, Yeah, that 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 reference reminds me
0: of, of of some folks that I that
1: I know as well. That's quite hilarious
0: but yeah just a really really cracking first issue you know it's it's showing all the inner workings of how the the Teen Titans Academy's going to work it's introducing you to these new younger heroes they're setting up a couple of different mysteries and this is all against the background as well of Dick Grayson's birthday they have a a birthday party for Nightwing and you know one of the one of uh, the mystery presents given to him is the red X mask so somebody knows about his dark past so yeah just a really cracking first issue i mean again it's it's right up your alley, Keith. It's also, you know, clean lines just to bring it back to it again. But it's just, it's a really old school looking comic almost in the best possible way. Who did you say was an art? Uh, it's drawn by Rafa Sandoval. Oh, okay. Uh, so I don't know how long it's going to run. I don't know if we're settling him for a six issue mini or a, an ongoing series, but this feels like old school Titan stuff. Do you remember when I talked about the death metal tie in. I think it was last stories of the DC universe mm-hmm. and there was all these great titans moments and these relationships being reignited between it. people that's what this is, That that's the result of this so it is um, but yeah I really dug it, I say only 5 or 6 people are on it in store, thankfully one of them is Patty. what did you think of it?
2: I loved it again I, I had it on my uh, issues I was looking forward to this month and it, it definitely impressed uh, I believe it tied back to the Titans' future state tie-in. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Listen. Uh, I, I kind of said I expected a darker Strange Academy. It's actually lighter. Yeah. I'd argue well, it's lighter through, than Strange Academy. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. As I said, as you said, there are kind of the plans for it going forward. I would like to see it continues a bit of an ongoing. You know, I think Marvel have shown the the potential there that you know this can work uh again as you said you know I'm, I'm surprised the speculators weren't kind of all over this one quite a few first appearances which normally uh but yeah keith if, if you haven't read it i'm more than happy to, to land you it and well, Well I mean,
1: on.
0: my my next question was are there any left in stock no your next question is i have five more copies of it coming this week so i will happily search out but i will i will hold those back for any people coming to it late not for speculators to pick up so uh of course, um, it's always something we like to do but yeah i have more copies coming i i Brilliant. certainly sort you out for that
1: stick me down for one please
0: yeah it's yeah i'm um, I mean, I think it just went under the radar a little bit because I think, yeah, if you had seen the solicitation a bit more for this, Keith, you would have been all over it because this is essentially what Nightwing does outside of being Batman's sidekick or, you know, patrolling Bloodhaven. This is what he, you know, Nightwing as a teacher is just a great idea. It really is.
1: Nightwing has not been Batman's sidekick ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's always
0: Batman's sidekick. <laughs> but yeah, no, get get on it, guys. I really, really highly recommend this. Just brilliant first issue. Great all ages title. Good central mystery with it. Great art. New characters for you to get behind and root behind. And if it follows something of the established model that Marvel did with Strange Academy, and I mean that's a title I think we all agree gets better from issue to issue. So uh, there's the the Future's Bride, I think, for this title. So, yeah, Teen Titans Academy number one is my pick of the week. So from DC for my pick of the week to Marvel for Keith's pick of the week, what is it yes, for you this week?
1: Indeedy. Um, so my pick this week is one that uh, I think we were all anticipating, certainly I was. Uh, was the first uh, comic book that results from the uh, from the buyover of, uh, of Fox uh, by uh marvel uh disney sorry more specifically um and that was alien number one um and that uh, it's it's not for the first time this podcast that we're mentioning uh, philip kennedy johnson uh who's the writer on this and uh, Salvatore salvator laruca who is the artist in this so it doesn't it doesn't feel like a marvel book it doesn't instantly feel like it should be a marvel title but really interestingly what this book does is it is it follows a dictum that Stan Lee made uh, back at the very, very start, which was that every comic should be written as if it's someone's first. And as a result, as a result of of uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson doing that, this feels like a really solid introduction to Alien for for people who don't know it. So this is in addition to being a first issue, in addition to being the first issue of a, of a, a Fox property at Marvel. This is also a really good jumping on point if you don't know the alien stuff at all, uh, if you haven't seen the movies. I mean, I know we all have. I I wouldn't be someone who like some of your other regulars who can, you know, probably dictate uh, lines from the fucking space marine handbook or whatever. Um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, I, I mean, I know the movies uh, and I know the I know some of the lore. I'm really interested in it, but this this serves as a really good introduction to someone who. Who knows even less than that, I would say. So the, the book introduces us to Gabriel Cruz. He's a, he's a career soldier with uh, Wayland jitani the corporation. And he survived a close encounter with a xenomorph. And he still has those nightmares and that post-traumatic stress. And what he wants, he's just retiring. And he, he's looking forward to, uh, he's just retiring from uh, his role as the security chief of this station. And he, he's looking forward to heading back to Earth. To uh, reconnect with his son Danny he hasn't seen in years uh, and, and and that's what he intends to do with his retirement now what what Gabriel doesn't know is that Danny has become an anti-corporate uh, activist, anti-Weyland Jitani and he's intent on, on bringing down the company and the reason for that is because he feels the company has destroyed his family, taken his dad away uh, there's a few other things going on there, there was a, a brother mentioned and so forth but uh, and and where gabriel's going home to 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 get to know his son again and, and that danny has no interest in that and he only meets his father because he wants to gather some dirt on wayland and the father has like a chip or something an information chip that that danny steals whenever he comes in and breaks his father's heart won't even stay for a beer and uh, we wind up um with danny and his crew on the station trying to destroy the servers but instead of servers they find uh, a classic alien scene of uh, bodies of mutated things and tubes and and all of that and they look like the latest batch of of xenomorphs and it all goes a wee bit pear-shaped so pkj does a, a fantastic job of of you know establishing the setting and we start off with we've got we've got gabriel's I think I think it's Gabriel. I think it's Gabriel's opening narration uh, of him describing the you know the xenomorphs, and then we, we hit a a blurb that summarizes the events of the first two movies because this is set uh, twenty one years after Aliens, uh, so it summarizes the events of the first two movies in a very a very factual way, matter of fact way. Um, so yeah, there's that. There, I mean, there's that continuity in there. Uh, you know, but also we have the appearance of a very well-known aliens character uh, in, in Bishop, the android, who appears not once but twice in two separate forms. And there's a real interesting thing that happens where, where Bishop, the Bishop android, is is Gabriel's counselor, you know, for his post-traumatic stress. And Gabriel knows that he's going to be moving back to Earth and he's making some breakthroughs. So he's worried. He's, he's formed a relationship with this bishop and... Uh, this bishop says well of course i'll just transfer my memory files down to earth and i'll upload another bishop who can become your counselor and then he has a weird weird thing where he you know he knows there's a difference between the two of them so it's yeah it's great stuff i mean i think yeah i think i think philip kennedy johnson you know especially coming off the last god uh for dc is 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 perfectly suited for this you know he he really, he he does so, he does so well in this in this first issue, you know, and I, I think there's there's a lot of the lingering feeling of, of dread and suspense that you expect through, an alien book, why not hitting you in the face with it immediately? Um, so there's definitely something familiar to it, but there's something new to it as well. And is I mean, is a legend. His his visuals are instantly recognizable, and very harrowing where they need to be harrowing. We've got a, a two-page spread where he unleashes the nightmare fuel of, uh, you know, a, a, a double-page spread full of xenomorphs and and a, a, a slightly different, slightly beautiful uh, almost humanoid alien queen that hasn't quite been explained yet. Um, there's a lot of H.R. Geiger in here. So yeah, I mean I, there, there was a lot to like about this. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this first issue and it has me it has me looking forward to to what comes next. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's the best of what what Alien does. Um, if you're a fan, you'll enjoy it. And as I say, it's a great jumping on point.
0: Yeah, I thought it was class as well. I mean, I'm a I'm a big Alien and Aliens fan. You know that sort of is, usually totally great. Where it, is where it usually ends for me. But I don't mind the director's cut of Alien Three. But it's it's nowhere near the level of those first two undoubted classics. So. To build upon those, I thought was a smart idea. It pretty much ignores the events of the other ones. Uh, You know, it obviously gives you the the recap for Alien and Aliens. But yeah, just loads of cool wee references in here. I think you need a you need to give a little shout out as well for Guru EFX on colors because the, the colors in this they they vary almost from page to page. You know, that first page you have that nightmare we walking dead reference there perhaps with don't open alien inside (laughs) Uh, which i thought was i thought was quite nice but you go from that sort of hellish red and then the next color is the cold steely blue and the black of the aliens and then you're back to some form of normality with soft covers and characters conversing but yeah, I thought this. You know, I I talk about it a lot when we when we chat about comics. You know, efficiency of storytelling is excellent here. Mm-hmm. You never feel lost. You never feel overwhelmed. But you're, you're introduced to loads of different characters. You're introduced to who, of course, will make the same mistakes as the characters and other aliens. Yeah, movies.
1: yeah. I mean, what do you what what do you reckon? I mean, I think they've set up a nice a nice first arc. Certainly, I mean. Uh, the father has retired to Earth. The son's now up in the station. Will the son be the only survivor? The father who knows the station, because he used to be the station security consultant, will have to go back up. He also has experience with the Xenomorphs and his old buddy Bishop's up there. I, I don't know. There's, I, I can see some stuff coming around the corner. Could be exciting.
0: Yeah, I think so. It certainly you know, gets me excited then for how they're going to treat the Predator franchise as well, because mm. the the danger was always that you know Marvel because they're an extension of Disney, they might dumb it all down and maybe not make it quite as violent, which is what these movies are known for. They are, you know, hard R-rated movies, but this does not skimp on the horror or the violence. I mean, you've got that page turn there where you've got the you Utani uh, employees talking about, oh, what are you going to do with your holidays and this and that. And it's this really nice, serene scene, and then you have this first-person viewpoint of a shotgun, and then you turn Oof. the page, and... That's yeah. probably one of the most adult images you've seen outside of Garth Ennis's Punisher run, you know. So, uh, yeah, really, really impressive. I have to say yourself, Patty, you you were reading yeah, this as well, I, weren't
2: you? I loved it. My, my biggest struggle with it was picking which variant cover to go for because there was so many ones. I went with the the Patrick Gleason variant, which is probably so far my cover of the year. It, it's stunning. Uh, a really good nice big issue with very little adverts as well there was some ads in there but i felt like this was a proper good introductory value for money issue
0: yeah i think that's fair i mean there's there's lots of double page w- what breaks up adverts for me in comics is double page spreads double page spreads will always uh, lead to better storytelling I think because you, you're you never going to have storytelling on one page and then advert on the next and there was a lot of Alien where it wasn't necessarily like a double splash page but you know um, panels would stretch across one page and onto the other and things like that so yeah I mean I, I just went you know old school I just went cover A and of course there's a Scotty Young cover in the collection because you know Vicky collects Scotty Young covers so. And how many other
2: variants tell until tell the truth?
0: I didn't take any others No, I swear on my life no, I, uh, I'll be collecting all cover A's for this because let's be honest, that Lee and Hugh cover A is pretty outstanding. So that mm-hmm. pretty much looks like a movie poster to me. Anyway, I do like the Patrick Lee one that you got as well, but uh, I'm trying to re- reel my variant collecting in a little bit. So, um, so yeah, so that is Alien number one. That is Keith's pick of the week. We'll finish off then with yourself, Patty. And, uh, you know, just to, what we're talking about there, about variants and so forth, of course. So, of course, for uh, this, uh, your pick of the week, of course, I have the variant. But we'll not talk about that. Why don't you tell us what it is?
2: Yeah, uh, again, it, it also just, you know, any three of these we've picked for pick of the week. It could have been my pick of the week. Yeah, my pick of the week was Detective Comics issue 1034. The Neighborhood part one written by Mariko Tamaki and art by Dan Mora. Uh, carrying on the you know great jumping on points thing that seems to have happened post future state. This is definitely another one. Uh, again, I'd never read an issue of Detective Comics before. I always wondered how Detective Comics would fit in with the, the main Batman art uh but this one starts off with a fundraiser from uh nakano uh it's hijacked by a group called the party crushers which is effectively some of joker's old army wearing uh some way intact they look absolutely fantastic the art on this by dan Dan mora is brilliant uh of course batman saves the day Uh, you know kind of cut down the to Bruce Wayne, you know, now he's got no money, this this is very much about Bruce being a, a normal person, you know, he's not the billionaire that that he once was uh, he's building secret uh, secret new body caves. caves, yeah, they're sort, yeah. Of like,
0: sort of like access points around the city
2: yeah, in, in the sewers, and of course he's doing it himself, because he's not the billionaire, you know, he, he, he hasn't got the money to pay people to do it uh, then we kind of uh, go to a, it looks like a bit of a, a get together for his community. You know, he's getting to meet the neighbors. He was a bit apprehensive about going, uh, and then there's, uh, one of the neighbors who was at the party goes missing, uh, and, and then we kind of cut to a a scene in the sewers of, now this is where I might be wrong, but I think that's the guy Neil that was part of the mirror security team. And it looks like he is kidnapped and said, neighbor, there is blood. So I don't want to say she's dead, but it's probably not looking looking too promising for her. Uh, and of course, this is followed up then by part two of the demon or detective Robin storyline by Joshua Williamson leading into the story arc. Well, the Robin series that's that's just around the corner. A good second part. I was already looking forward to Robin after part one uh part two yeah it it was good you're introduced then to the ticket it's a new character is it this hawk that's that's introduced at the end
1: well that's interesting because i had that question too but i was a wee bit more uh aware of 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 maybe green arrow uh so connor hawk uh was uh, green arrow's protege i think pre new 52 alan wasn't it
0: yeah, he was the the son of Oliver Queen and Sandra Hawk, I think it was. And then in, in that uh, continuity, Oliver Queen dies and then Hawk actually becomes the second Green Arrow. I mean,
1: I love what they've done. Now now we're seeing the start of these infinite frontiers, especially the ones that are so closely tied to the future state stuff. It's really, I really love how they've laid the groundwork for the story with future state, which is set in the future. And yet they've still managed to lay the groundwork for a story that's taken place in the past because we know Mare Nicano, We, we know, you know, who the, what, what, what direction it's going in and therefore your, your head can take it, can, can, can take it back through time and figure out the back. It's great stuff. I think it's, it's really fantastic. I'm loving the stripped down financially, Bruce Wayne. I'm really, I think that's fantastic. You know, he's at the, the Wayne family always had, has a seat at these things, but, uh, you know, even though they can no longer afford the ticket, you know, as he says about Nick fundraiser. fundraiser. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I loved it. All you said about it, Paddy, um, was just was just fantastic. The the micro caves and him having to do the work himself, and I really enjoyed the party, the dinner party at the at his neighbor's house, and and you know introducing all these uh, you know other uh, characters. You know, these background characters that uh, that are obviously going to be important as, as his neighbour, you know, because I was thinking about it. How does Bruce Wayne never meets people because he lives out in the middle of nowhere in Wayne Manor and now he's in the middle of a street here. He's surrounded by neighbours, so he's going to meet people, um, which is kind of cool. So it, it broadens out the the Bruce Wayne side of him as well um, quite a lot. My, only, with my only
2: concern is, you mentioned there about Future State, you know, we know what happens how long are we going to take to get to the Future State stuff? You know, before Future State, I believe in Batman, there was no mention at all of the Peacekeepers. There was no, you know. No, in the it's same, a New York,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. So how far in the future
1: is Future State? It, it, depend, it depended on the books. I mean, yeah, each book had a different was, timeline. It uh, was massively in the future. I think I got the impression that, uh dark detective was a wee bit closer but still probably a matter of a, yeah. a 10 years maybe more so uh, yeah I, I mean it's 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 hard to say they may lose interest before they get as far as future state and reboot again or something but <laughs> i just think it's really interesting what they've done and i mean yeah jo- joshua williamson and robin I'm i'm all in i really hated that costume but by the end of it he shed it um and has uh is looking a wee bit uh a wee bit more uh robin-like um so yeah great great story tali al ghul and uh expanding on the uh the league of assassins and and the league of uh the shadows and and now the league of lazarus really interesting stuff and he's going there seems to be some sort of a competition in the offing which seems a wee bit like enter the dragon uh the bruce lee movie so i'm yeah i'm in for that what about you Alan?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was everything I wanted it to be. I was looking forward to Detective, you know, loved Future State Dark Detective, loved this creative team. I thought um, Rico Tomaki was writing it really well. And yeah, there's loads of really good lines of dialogue or narration, stuff like that, you know, picking up on them, you know, like that party, for example. There's a little narration where he says, meet my possibly first actual neighbors. You know, it's, <laughs> it, I I love that. I, lo- I love the idea of Bruce Wayne, who's like so polished, but, you know, and, and can easily stare down an alleyway full of criminals, but he's slightly scared of meeting new people in a garden party where there's scotch and wine and cheeses, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. Uh, I love the underground cave stuff, you know, there's even a little part there where his, his back's going out as well. He's really having to, like, it, it's such a stripped back version. Like, like I, and- I, I've always loved the Batman runs where he's prepared for anything, which in a sense he still is to a degree. But there's a bit more to this with it being stripped back. He can't just throw money at it or new technology or I invented this. You know, he he he's got to build these caves. You know what I mean? It's back breaking mm, work, and he's but he's got, prepared he's to got, do
1: it. He's got no Alfred to help him.
0: I'm not uh, sure how good Alfred would be at the cave digging. Yeah, you know? well, you but. know, he's, he's,
1: uh, yeah, I, I to- totally agree. But I mean, they're sort of humanizing Bruce Wayne a bit. There's yeah. always been that, you know, Bruce Wayne being the mask that Batman wears, but. The mask has grown a has grown a body and a personality here, which is which is good to see, you know. So
0: yeah, very much uh, so. And yeah, Dan Mora stuff. is continuing to be the second coming of oh, Jim Lee, if you ask me. So brilliant, brilliant. You know, some of the work in here is, it, I say it every time, it's very evocative of Jim Lee's sort of hush era, uh, and that's the highest compliment I could give any uh, Batman artist. So, so yeah, really, really solid start with Detective Ten Thirty Four, uh, as as you said, as the backup story is going to lead to Robin. I'm not too sure where the backup stories go from here, if it'll be again introducing new characters in 10.35 or or what, but I guess we'll have to wait and see for that.
2: Is Detective Comics carrying on as a fortnightly release, or is it moving to no, monthly? it's
0: monthly as well. So DC... No, goodness. DC back goodness. <laughs> uh, DC stripped back all of their titles to monthly. I don't think there's anything that's fortnightly now. So, uh, so yeah, all monthly all the way. So yeah, that is pretty much us then for picks from 24th of march so we'll finish off where we always like to finish which is looking at what we're uh looking forward to this new comic book day you know what titles really stand out for us we're recording this again on the wednesday we had a few delivery snafus this week but pull lists are all done and ready to go so i'll see you in 10 minutes patty yep. um but yeah in terms of titles this week to look forward to I am happy to report that all of our titles we're looking forward to have all arrived. And for me, I've went for a nice even split for my three titles this week. Uh, Marvel-wise, I'm really, really looking forward to better Ray Bill. This is Daniel Warren Johnson. So, you know, we talked about Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. It's a character I know very little about, but it's Daniel Warren Johnson. So I'm all in writing and drawing that uh we have the next installment of tom Keane, your favorite and Clayman's uh, batcat so number four this week and then and then a small indie title to look forward to crossover number five as uh donny kate's juggernaut continues with uh issue five this week so that's my three uh what have you got keith I've got X-Men Legends number two, uh, Fabian Dezisa,
1: uh, Brett Booth uh, on that and uh, Guru FX actually is the colorist who you mentioned uh, for Alien there. So The Secret of Adam X revealed at last. It's the Summers brothers versus and the Starjammers versus Eric the Red and the Shi'ar with the fate of the galaxy at stake as the full truth behind Adam X's lineage is revealing a story nearly 30 years in the making. Looking forward to that one. Uh, we have the second issue of uh, two moons from image comics um so called the iron Nurse. second part of that it's by uh john Arcudi and dave stewart first issue was phenomenal uh two moons facing coach martial and execution at the hands of the union army and uh, so he must depend on an enemy to save his life uh i'm just i'm really looking forward to seeing where that is is going uh, i know you're on that as well alan oh yes um, and then lastly, for me, one of the last King in Black one shots, and that's Ghost Rider uh, by Ed Breeson, who was doing so much good work on Ghost Rider on his uh, ongoing series before it was uh, it was canceled last year. So uh, all Ghost Rider wants is to destroy Mephisto, round up an army of escaped demons and secure his seat on the throne of hell. Uh, is that so much to ask? But now a dark god from space has shown up to throw the world into chaos and some of Johnny's old friends have come to ask for help. It may take everything they've got to stop this madness. Maybe even the devil himself. That's King and Black Ghost
2: Rider number one. What about yourself, Patty? Yeah, I have went for Hellblazer Volume 2 that I have been looking forward to since I closed Hellblazer Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a long, long wait for me. I, I resisted buying the single issues just because I want to trade read it. Uh, the Union Number Four, which is the first issue of the Union that won't be a King of Blacktown, so I'm very looking forward to that. And of course, no guesses for what my last my last uh, pick will be. It is Department of Truth Number Seven. Lovely.
0: You know, you're you're going to make Keith sad again, bringing up Hellblazer Volume Two. You know, it's <laughs> if ever there, if in the whole time I've known him, I have never seen him so sad about the cancellation of a title. Than Hellblazer, you know. So. I'm just as well.
2: I'm just realizing how much I'm really loving Batman Catwoman,
0: despite not liking Tom King's Batman run. Yeah, strange. Uh, we're gonna have to have a long Badness. talk. I tell you. <laughs> Anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. So, yeah, that was uh, all of our favourite titles from the 24th of March and then new releases coming out this week on the 31st. So, yeah, just a quick reminder that uh, give it a couple of weeks you should be able to come back to the store for click and collect and so forth. But, again, more details will be uh, forthcoming on that. So, pleasure as always, gentlemen. Uh, I will no doubt chat to you all soon. I'm sure I'll be dropping off pull lists slash opening the door for, uh, you know, I I have this vision of you turning up in ten minutes, padding, going. Don't worry about the rest of pull Just give me that Hellblazer train. And, <laughs> and then like running down this, then like running down the, the, like
1: running the down street. The street. I'll be happy until the <laughs> uh, Don't uh, don't forget to forget to take your headphones off before you run out
2: the door, Paddy. <laughs> this... I made that joke about next week. That'll be uh, I'll be camping outside Alan's house on Monday for, uh, Keenan Black Ven- or sorry, yeah, Venom on the last issue of King and Black, but of mm-hmm. course. Good old uh, religious bank holidays means yeah, there may maybe a
0: week. You'll you'll be camping out for a few days in that scenario. So uh, I'm sorry to it's tell okay. you, but anyway, uh, keep an eye ever on the social media stuff, guys, for next week's releases. I'll keep you informed when our delivery does arrive. So, cheers as always, guys, and uh, I will chat to you again. Good night. Yes,
2: it's been a pleasure. Good night, folks.